Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. The the things that get lodged in our hearts have huge potential to impact us negatively. Jesus said that we live from our heart, we, we love from our heart, we parent from our heart. Solomon said, and Solomon's regarded by some as the wisest man who ever lived, he said, above all else, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. From from it, all other things come from from that particular thing. So you have to guard it. This is about cleaning out our hearts and keeping them clean. And this is about teaching our children not just to monitor behavior and not just to monitor the words that come out of our mouth. I mean, we've all been taught to do that growing up. This is about more than that. This is about, you know, how do I... This is... um, paying attention to what's going on on the inside of my heart. Because if the inside of my heart is clean, then many of the things that we often say that get us into trouble won't even happen because they're not in there anymore. And so if we can master that, we can learn to pay attention to it. We can live our lives better, have richer, fuller lives, and richer, fuller relationships. So today we talk about the snake of anger. Anger. Um, most of us are familiar with anger. We, we know what it is to be angry in a moment, and we also know what it is to carry anger with us for an extended period of time, sometimes from relationship to relationship. Maybe you know somebody and you would say, you know, they're, they're just angry. They're just mad all the time. And, and, and the least little thing sets them off. And I, and I know it's not my fault. They brought that into this relationship. It's not because of me. I feel like they brought that anger into my, our marriage or they brought that anger into... Um, you know, whatever relationship we're talking about. And it is possible that somebody feels that way about you. And the bottom line is this. You do not have to carry anger around with you. You can get rid of it. But it's not simple, and sometimes it's not a, a quick and easy fix. And perhaps that is why some of us carry it from season to season to season. And consequently, we negatively impact most, if not all, of our valuable relationships. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you're new to us, I, we, we, I use the Bible when I talk. And uh, we, for, for your convenience, for those who are visitors and guests with us, we put things up on the screens for you. But um, we're a church that believes in having a Bible and reading the Bible. So if you've got one, we want you to bring it with you. And uh, I want you to bring a pen and... You know, we turn the lights up a little bit so you can read, and I want you to write in it. And you say, (gasps) write in my Bible. Yeah, it's okay to write in your Bible. So um, Ephesians chapter 4, these verses are going to give us some hope because they are written by a man who knew what it was to be hurt. He knew what it was to be mistreated. And from prison, okay, he's writing this from prison. He's not writing this from Cancun or someplace like that. This is, uh, he's not in a great place. He writes and gives us, these verses and these insights on anger. Paul is going to write, and he's going to tell us that there is a way to get rid of our anger, that you don't have to carry it with you from season to season. And as we've talked about with some of these other snakes, we've talked about the idea that anger isn't a a matter of circumstances. Anger is a matter of the heart. Now, we get angry because of circumstances, and we get angry because of what people say and sometimes what people do. But the truth is, anger is not something to be blamed on circumstances. Anger is a heart issue, which means you have control over what happens as to you and your relationship with anger. Now, we don't like that because 
If that's true, then we are accountable for our actions. But I, I've talked to a number of people, and, and I've heard them say this, Brett, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. In fact, I, have a, I had a grandfather, uh, my, my dad's dad, his name was James Ben Wilson. They called him J.B. He had a temper that was notorious throughout the county. I mean, people would refer to a, a, someone pitching a conniption fit, they would refer to it as a J.B. or a James Ben. I mean, that's how bad it was. And, and he was fond of saying to us, uh, grandkids, whenever he would lose his mind and say things, string words together that you, can't, could, you didn't know that words could be strung together like that, he would look at us and say, I'm sorry, honey, baby, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. Really, Papa? I'm sorry, honey, baby, I just can't help it. Well, I think he could help it because he didn't say those things around my grandmother. And, you know, and, and my mom, he had great respect for my mother. He treated her like a lady always. And, you know, he didn't lose his temper around her. And he didn't say that kind of stuff around her. So I'm pretty sure that Papa could help it if he wanted to, but he just decided he didn't really want to. And you do that. You go to work. You get mad at your boss. And you have words that go through your mind. But you don't say those words, do you? No, you don't say those words. Why? Because your kids need to eat. Because you need a job. And if you said what was going through your mind, and if you got as mad as you want to get sometimes, and you showed your anger the way you want to show your anger, you know you wouldn't have a job anymore, and that's not going to work. So you can get rid of your anger, and if you're not motivated to get rid of it, I guarantee you there's some people in your immediate circle of friends or maybe family who are very motivated for you to get rid of your anger. They're the ones who catch the brunt of what goes on in your daily anger mess. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, and you are going to love the first two words of this command. And I'm going to read the first part in the New American Standard Version. Don't normally do that. We're a, we're, we, we do most of our stuff from the, the New International Version, but I like the, the, new, the, the NASB for this first part. You'll see why in a minute. The very first two words in Ephesians 4, verse 26, be angry. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, I knew I liked the Bible. You know, and you say, honey, I've been, I've been scriptural my whole life. I'm angry. I'm just doing what the scripture says. I'm being angry. Be angry and yet do not sin. Now, here's what I like about that. This is the Bible being realistic. See, the Bible doesn't go on and say you should never get angry. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, look, there are going to be moments when you get mad. There are going to be moments of high energy, high frustration. You're going to be angry. The command isn't don't ever get angry. The command is once all that surfaces and you have all that energy and that whole thing going, the question is not what do you feel. The question is what do you do with what you feel. Sometimes you can't control what you feel. You only control what you do about it. And somehow there's a way to be angry and not sin, to not hurt someone else, to be angry and not pay back, or to not lash out. Be angry and yet do not sin. And then he gives this powerful word picture, and many of you have tried to apply this to your marriage. This is where this most commonly gets applied. Do not let the sun go down 
on your anger. Here's what that means. Don't allow today's anger carry into tomorrow, and don't allow yesterday's anger to creep into today. And actually, Paul, this isn't something that that is like original scripture with Paul. This was a saying in Paul's day. In fact, Paul probably grew up hearing this saying as a little boy. Much the same way that we might use an expression. You know, we've got expressions that we use like, um, um, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar or something like that. You know, we have these sayings that we use, thousands of them that we use in speech all the time. This was one that they had in Paul's day. And, and, and so that's what he was saying. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. He's pulling on that particular resource. And he's saying, look, you know, what you've heard people say growing up, or maybe what you heard your mama saying when you were growing up, don't let the sun go down on your anger. The point being, carry your anger as short a time as possible. Don't carry it any longer than necessary. Be angry if you need to in the moment. But don't carry anger into the future. Now, I know a lot of couples who have tried to implement this into their marriage and have done so quite successfully. I know some of you, you know, you do that. You don't ever go to bed mad at one another, and that's great. And then there's others of you that have decided, you know what, we're not going to go to bed angry at one another, and you haven't had sleep in three weeks, right? I mean, you can spot them. They're the ones walking around, you know, kind of not looking like they got a great night's sleep. So if you see somebody that looks like they need some rest, you're mad at your wife, aren't you? And this is great advice for the most part, but there are anger issues that you cannot resolve before the sun goes down. There are anger issues that you just don't resolve in a 24-hour cycle. But the force of the proverb is pretty clear. Get rid of your anger as soon as possible. And if possible, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And certainly don't carry it from relationship to relationship to relationship, which is what happens. And again, the implication is that we don't have to do this. There is a way to get rid of it. Now, listen to the reason he says this is so important. And now he's going to kind of dip down into his theology a little bit. Verse 27, and do not give the devil an opportunity. It's a little Greek word that is translated devil. It's, it's actually, it actually means accuser. It's a word that Paul uses often. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, I don't know if you believe in the devil or not. A lot of people believe in God. Not as many people believe in the devil. I believe in the devil because Jesus believed in the devil. The Bible says Jesus was tempted by the devil. I don't have any reason to not believe in the devil if I believe in Jesus. I just kind of believe in what Jesus believes in, and Jesus believed in the devil. Paul's saying, when you get angry, it's not that you get angry, that's going to happen. It's that you carry anger, that's the problem. Don't carry anger. He says, you open the door to evil, all kinds of evil, and you give the devil an opportunity when you carry anger with you. I, I was trying to figure out a way to drive this point home, and when it, when it came up on this particular thing, I had this idea. Have you seen the Orkin commercials with the insects that are creepy? I thought I'd creep you out this morning and show you an Orkin commercial to kind of drive home the point. When you carry anger, you're basically opening your door up and saying, hey, come right on in, devil. Just come on in and make yourself at home and do whatever you want. So watch the Orkin commercial, and, and let's have a little fun this morning.
I'm just hoping that you go home and think, orchid, you know? I mean, to carry anger around with you would be the same thing as that dude just opening his house and saying, hey, whatever you are, creepy thing, come on in. Did it wig you out just a little when he said sugar, the way he said sugar? Creeps me out. Choosing to carry anger gives the devil an opportunity. It's like opening the door and saying, come on in. Now, you may not believe in the devil, but here's what you know. You know that people carry anger. And you know that people who do that have a tendency to wreak havoc wherever they go. And they hurt people around them. You know that. Well, the scriptural explanation is the person that carries anger opens the door to the devil and says, come on in and have a good time and let the tentacles of my anger reach out into my world and into the worlds of other people that are close to me, that I care about, and that I love. Even people who didn't cause my anger. They're going to get the results and the shrapnel that I carry with me. So we've said all along that all these things, anger, jealousy, guilt, all of them can be better understood in the context of a debt-debtor relationship. Uh, That is certainly true, and and probably none of them offers this. This is probably the best example of all, the one with anger. Um, Because this is interesting. Jealousy says says God owes me something. We talked about that in in the second sermon. That God owes me something. Guilt says, I owe you. I've offended you somehow. I've taken something from you. And and I owe you. We say things like, how can I make it up to you? Or how can I pay you back? What can I do to make it better? Anger says, you owe me. When we're angry, what we're really saying is, that person hurt me. That person made me angry. They owe me. And the reason that is true, because whenever you're hurt or offended or mistreated, there is a sense in which the person who's done that to you has taken something from you. Maybe at work, someone stole your idea, and you've been offended by it, and you probably have in your mind somewhere this idea, they owe me. They took my recognition for that idea. I'm owed that respect. I'm owed that recognition. That was due to me, not to them, and they stole it. It's a, in a sense, we are bookkeepers. And, and this is, you know, according to my records, you owe me. There's an open account. And I'm not going to close this account until I get paid back, until you make it up to me, or repay me what you took from me. And as long as that account is open and you're carrying that anger, now listen to me, the worst thing you could do to yourself is to allow the sun to go down Not on a day of anger, but allow the sun to go down on a season in your life and carry the anger that was created in one season into another season of my life, into various new seasons. Carrying anger created in childhood into adolescence. Carrying anger from adolescence into young adulthood. And then carrying that anger into a marriage can be devastating for everybody involved. Whenever you allow the sun to set on your anger in a season of life, it carries over to the next season. You run this huge risk of relationship and self-destruction. And and here's why. Because when the sun sets on a season of your life, once you move on to the next season, 
it's very easy to lose sight of the source of the original conflict. It's, it's hard to tell where it all started to begin with. And all of a sudden, you're in a new season of life, and people just make you mad. And you're sure it's her, or you're sure it's him. But the fact of the matter is, they don't have anything to do with it. You're just mad. You're mad from the last season or two seasons ago. And you're sure it's all these people in this new season of life, but it's not. And you're around them, and the least little thing just ticks you off. And you would say, you did this, or she did that. And it's, you know, they did it, and you did it, and we're full of blame. And they would say, you know what? I don't think this is an us problem. I don't think this is a me problem. I think you were mad coming into this whole thing, and I think you've dragged this into our marriage. I think you've dragged this into our friendship or into our relationship or into work. And when you carry anger from one season to another, it is easy to lose sight of the original source of the hurt. That's why the admonition in Scripture, do not let the sun go down on your anger. It's not just a 24-hour period. Don't let a season of your life come to an end and carry anger from one season into the next. Because when you do, you will find yourself angry with people and you will blame them for how you feel and they may not even be the original source of the problem. Which means they can never do anything to give you permission to close that account. You know how frustrating that is? Because the account is really not with them. The open account, they're not the source of the open account. They feel like they are. They're scratching their head like, you know, what did I do? You see this in marriage all the time. And can I just tell you, if you're engaged to a person who is an angry person, I don't care how cute she is. I don't care how much money his mama and daddy have. You need to run from an angry person if you're thinking about marrying an angry person. Because here's what I'll tell you. If they don't get that resolved now and you don't deal with this and you don't get away now, it's going to crop up again and again and eventually you will want to get away from it and you will run. You'll finally look at them and say, I can't do this anymore. And you might look at me and say, but Brett, I'm in love. And I'm going to look back at you and say, get over it. Because you're going to get hurt. And you'll say stuff, you know, like, all I said was, <laughs> and you won't understand why they're mad. And it'll be a great big mystery. And no matter how hard you work or how hard you try, how much you apologize, you will never get a sense that they have closed the account because the account is not even with you. And they don't even know it. Because they're carrying anger from one season to the next. The sun went down, and now they've kind of lost sight of the original herd and consequently the source of their anger. So, if you were God, and you loved you the way we understand that God loves us, and you understood this material the way it's just been explained, what would you say to you? That's why this next verse really isn't a surprise. It seems a little insensitive, but... It really shouldn't come as a surprise because if God loves you the way the Bible says he loves you, then for goodness sakes, he desperately wants to close, wants you to close the accounts to end it, to put it to rest so that you're not carrying this stuff around all over the place. 
Because to carry your anger from one season of life into another is not simply devastating to you, it is devastating to everyone around you. So here's what Paul, from prison, writes to us about the issue. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, and now I'm in the NIV. Listen to this command. Get rid of. In the original Greek, when you look it up in Greek, you know what it means? It means get rid of. That's what it means. It's pretty obvious. Get rid of all. And one of the things you learn about Greek, if you've ever had Greek, is in in the Greek language, it's very specific. It's a really interesting language. But in the Greek language, the most important word is always at the beginning. So in this particular passage, the word all appears at the beginning. So it, it would kind of read all bitter, all bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling. Get rid of it. So he puts all at the very beginning because he's not saying, hey, there's not anything we're going to leave behind. Take it all. Get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. He's saying, hey, you know how you take the trash down to the curb and leave it for the garbage guy to come pick it up? Do that with your anger. You know how you go down in the basement and you, you scurry up all this stuff and you say, honey, we don't need this anymore. This is just taking up space. And she's, what do you want to do with it? And she says, get rid of it. All right, I'll get rid of it. You come out of the attic with boxes full of stuff, get rid of it. That's what he's saying. And we would say, oh, it's just not that simple. And Paul would say, it is that simple. And you would say, no, no, let me tell you my story. Can I tell you my story? And Paul would say, okay, tell me your story. But at the end of your story, when you're done with it, I'm just going to look at you and say, get rid of it. It's that simple. See, we get all tangled up with who is to blame. You ever notice that? You ever noticed how when something goes wrong, how people start pointing fingers at whose fault it is? Who's to blame? Let me use this illustration. This will hit home for some of you because it's right in your kitchen. But if you've ever sat across the desk from a doctor and he looked at you and he said, you have cancer. Your first thought when you hear those words, it's never happened to me, but I'm guessing that your first thought is not, how did I get it? You're not thinking about the blame. You're not thinking about, you know, was it the water I drank? Was it the city I grew up in? Or, you know, did I touch something? I mean, that's not what you're thinking. Doctor looks at you and says, you have cancer. First thing on your mind is, how do I get rid of it? Forget how I got it. I've got it. How do I get rid of it? That's that's the bigger issue. That's the thing that's got to be resolved. That's what I want to know. But when it comes to issues of the heart, we spend so much time defending it because of how we got it instead of ramping up and saying, you know what, I'm not carrying this through my life anymore. I'm done with this. I'm tired of dragging this around. For some of us, it's like a big satchel that we pick up and carry with us through our whole life, and it's heavy and it weighs a ton, and, you know, we can't even do anything because we're all bogged down with this thing that we pick up every day and we carry. And at some point, you just have to say, you know what, I don't care who's to blame. See, part of the problem with the issue of anger is I feel like I'm just going to put it on the street and get rid of it 
If I do that, I'm just letting somebody off the hook. They hurt me. Brett, did you not hear the first part of the message? They owe me. They owe me. And if I say I'm going to get rid of it, that's not fair. You need to understand this about this whole idea of anger. And I need to get this across. Getting rid of anger bypasses the issue of fairness. Okay? Bypasses the issue of fairness. If if your goal in life is to have everything fair, you are going to be miserable. This isn't about being fair. I'll tell you what this is about, and I talk about this all the time, and I know you get sick of it, but this is the truth. Do you want to look spiritual, or do you want to be spiritual? See, you can go to church and play the game and say the words and use all the big words like righteousness and propitiation and say God with three syllables if you want to. God. And that sounds spiritual. You are spiritual when you forgive people. You are spiritual when you get rid of your anger. See, it takes fairness and being paid back, and it says that is not of supreme value anymore. That's not the most important thing. Getting rid of it is more valuable and more important than being paid back. Getting rid of it is bigger than fairness. My priority is to get rid of it, not to get all this resolved so it works out on the ledger seat. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. And then listen to this. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here is the big word, and I just used it, forgiving each other. Brett, wait, 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 wait. Forgiveness. I knew you were going to go there. I knew this was going to be about forgiveness. Can I tell you my story first? No. But I have a story that goes all the way back to my childhood. I was a victim. And just let me stop for a minute and say this, okay? It's important that I say this. There may be something so traumatic in your childhood or in your early life that you would say, I was a victim or I am a victim and it's, it's haunting me or it's affecting me or whatever. Here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm not talking about that kind of thing in this message, okay? We're big boys and girls in the room, and I understand that there's certain things that are a little deeper and a little harder, and I get that, okay? I get that. But if you've got that, deal with it. Get to a counselor. Talk to somebody. Get help with it. Don't make everybody in your world pay for that, okay? Get help with it. But that's not really even what I'm talking about when I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about things, you know, that I'm, maybe dad didn't come to my 16th birthday party and I'm mad at him. Or my dad, I mean, in my world, I'm not mad at my father. I love my father. But my dad was a truck driver and he was on the road all the time. And he, he didn't, wasn't at a lot of stuff that I, when I was growing up, I'm not mad at him. But if I were, then, it would, then, then this would be directed at me to say, you know what, get past it. But Brett, if I told you my story, your heart would break. I'm sure my heart would break. I've had people, listen, I've been doing this long enough now. I've done my share of counseling, and I've done my share of listening to people tell me their story. And I've had people tell me things, and I've heard them tell me about how they were the victim, and there would be no argument. I would look at them and say, you know what, that's awful, that's horrible, I hate it. In fact, I've been told things and been so angry, I wanted to go choke the person. 
All right? I know what that feels like. And I, I could hear your story, and I'm sure my heart would break. Paul's heart would break. All our hearts would break over your story. But do you want to get rid of it? Then you have to forgive. But they don't deserve to be forgiven. Exactly. And we already said, this is not about fair. This isn't about payback. This is about getting rid of it so that we don't hurt other people. Because this is hurting you, but it's also hurting a bunch of people in your world that are looking at you going, man, what is wrong with you? This really goes back to the debt-debtor thing. Do you know what it means to forgive? I mean, really, what it, what it means to forgive is, is actually just to, to cancel a debt. That's really all it is. It's just to decide, okay, according to the records, you owe me, I'm canceling that debt. You don't owe me anymore. Not because you paid me back or made it right. I am deciding debt canceled. Get me the big rubber stamps, debt canceled. I'm, I'm deciding. That's what it means to forgive. You don't owe me. You, you weren't at my wedding, but that's okay. You, 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 you weren't at my graduation. I, I'm looking past it. You, you weren't there for me as a teen. Debt canceled. You should have kept your word, and you didn't. For years, I've waited for you to make it up to me, but I have made a decision. You don't owe me anymore. You're forgiven. I am deciding to cancel the debt. You want to be spiritual or do you want to look spiritual? Forgiveness closes the door to the accuser. It it closes the account. It breaks the power of anger. And and it's the only thing that does. Listen, like I said, in my business, I've heard it all. And and I've heard things, you know, where I've wanted to help them and I've heard stuff that made me so mad and I wanted to just go hurt somebody. And I, they wanted, you know, they came into my office. They were mad at somebody, and they wanted to go hurt them. And I was like, "Come on, we'll grab a, I'll go help you. We'll do it together." I've heard it, and I've felt the pain, and I've felt the emotions that go along with hearing some of the stories. But here's what I know: keeping an open account does nothing for anyone. Now, when you want to push back on this and say, "Well, Brett, my situation is different. My situation is different." Okay. Let me just lay something on you. This is how Paul ends the verse. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And I've got my hand up. Oh, Paul, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my story. And Paul says, okay, just a second. I want want you to forgive the way God in Christ forgave. Okay, Brett, what's your story? I don't think I have a story. I mean, if you're going to compare what God did for me, at least in my story, the other guy was 95% wrong and I was only 5% wrong. And I'm upset about the 95% of what they did. I only had a small part. But see, when God decided to send Jesus to die for you, Jesus had no part in your sin or mine. No part. He was not at all guilty. He was blameless. No guilt. 
and there was an open account. You and I had an open account with God, and it did not look good for us. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what the Bible says. We'd sinned against God. We owed Him a lot, and we could not pay Him back. God deserved perfect, and once you've been perfect, you can't make up for imperfect. Because if you're perfect from this point on, that's great, but what do you do about before when you weren't so perfect? We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And God decided to do this. God said, you know what I think I'll do? They can't pay me back anyway. I think I will close the books. Not guilty. Forgiven. Account closed. You don't owe me. There's one problem. The problem is this. Somebody had to pay for your sin. So not only did God decide to forgive your sin and mine, God would say, I sent my son to pay for your sin. It wasn't even his fault. Now, Brett, tell me your story again. Well, I don't really have a story. That's what I thought. I got some anger. I got some pain and some hurt and some rejection and a lot of energy and emotion. But if you can close the account on me, then I can close the account on the people who have hurt me. This is a command. All right, this isn't God asking us. This is a command. Get rid of it. And listen to me. You do realize, right? You can't really get paid back anyway. I mean, if your dad was not at your 16th birthday party and you desperately wanted him to be there, and later in life he comes to the realization, you know what, I was not there for that party and I should have been. And he comes to you and he says, I'm really sorry. What can I do to make it up? How can I make it up to you? You know what you're going to look back at him and say? Nothing. We can't go back. I can't go back and be 16 again. We can't recreate the whole thing. There's, Dad, there's really not anything you could do. I, can, I understand that now you wish you'd been there, but the truth of the matter is, you, even if you wanted to pay me back, and even if I was willing to let you pay me back, there's nothing you can do. You would look at him and finally say, you know, I'd never thought about it before, but there's really not anything you can do anyway. I mean, in terms of being squared, there are a lot of debts that can't even be repaid. And so maybe God chuckles just a little bit and he says, I got an idea. Why don't we just close the accounts? Let's just close the books. Why don't we just say, you don't owe me? Why don't we just forgive? Because it is forgiveness that breaks the power of anger in your life and in mine. That's the only thing that is going to help you get past all the anger that you feel. And forgiveness starts to reach in and rake out all of that crud and all of that junk that is in our life. And it's understandable that it's in there. But here's the thing. Here's why you're coming to church, or at least I hope you're coming to church. I hope you're coming because, you, God, what do you want to say to me? And God this morning is saying... There's crud in your heart because you've got anger in there and you need to forgive. And as you begin to forgive, I'm going to rake that stuff out of your heart. Let's clean it out. Let's get it out. Let's get rid of it. So to, to wrap up this morning, let, let, why don't you just let me give you three steps. 
Okay, I want to give you three steps real briefly and we'll close. There's three things that we really need to do to get to, to make this happen. The first one is I have to identify with whom am I angry. That's the first thing. Your temptation will be to look in your immediate vicinity and say, I'm mad at this person. But I would suggest that you ask that question, uh, go, to, go in your life to a few seasons back and ask that question, who am I mad at? I mean, where's all this coming from? Who, who, where, where did all this get started to begin with? It could be that you have an open account with somebody three seasons removed from this season and you're taking it out on all the people in this season. And they're looking at you like, you're crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? And if you would just ask the question, you would say, you know what? It's not even with you. I'm mad about that. 20 years ago. Second thing you got to do is this. And a lot of people kind of skip this. You ask the question, what was taken from me? What was taken from you? And see, people skip this because this is not a quick process. This is not easy. I would suggest that you start to make a list of the things that you feel like you're owed or the things that are stacking up that you're like, that's what ticks me off. Make a list. Leave it open for several days or even a week or more. And just keep adding stuff to the list. Identify what's wrong with you. Because here's what I know. If I owed you money and you were going to forgive my debt, the first thing we would have to say is, what's the amount? I mean, let's talk about how much I'm about to forgive the amount. I mean, if it's $20, is it $20 or is it $100 or is it $500? We're going to first settle on, okay, this is what you owe, and I'm going to forgive that debt. You, you can't forgive something that you, you haven't identified. So that may be what you need to do. Spend some time thinking about, this is what they did. This is why this makes me mad. This is what God is calling me to forgive can't forgive it if you don't know what it is. Number three, decide to forgive. Decide to forgive. Make a ritual out of it. Make a big deal out of it. I heard about one person who, who wrote this out. You know, they wrote out the transgression of the other person. They went to him and said, look, you did this. It upset me. I've been mad about it. I'm going to forgive it. This is what it is. I'm writing it on this piece of paper. I'm going to put it in this ashtray, and I'm going to light it on fire between the two of us so that you can see this is forgiven. Heard about another person who took their whatever their issue was, their thing, they wrote it out, put it in a can, buried it in their backyard, and stuck a giant cross over it so that when they looked out onto the yard, they saw the cross, and they were reminded, my sins have been forgiven. And Jesus wasn't at all guilty. And so when I see that cross and I'm reminded that I've been forgiven, it's easier for me to forgive somebody else. And then once you do that, once you forgive, stay in the habit of keeping short accounts. Stay in the habit of not letting the sun go down on your anger. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And just, you know, it's, it's basically a matter of just saying, God, I'm going to keep my heart clean. So I've been doing this throughout these sermons. Let's pretend that you're my son or daughter and you're little and you're getting ready, we're getting ready to put you to bed. And dad has come in and he's put your hand on your little chest and he's just asking some questions. 
you okay? Everything all right in your heart? Anybody hurt you today? Anybody make you mad? Anybody say something that's bothered you today? What is it? Let's talk about it. I go back to an illustration I used some weeks ago. When I talked about people who come into my office and they're so angry and you, the temptation is to just say, hey, let's take out a calendar and let's look into the future and you tell me when you're going to quit carrying that around. Tell me, when are you going to stop being angry over that? Are you going to be mad about that the rest of your life? If so, it's going to be a miserable existence for you. How long will you go? When will you make the decision, you know what? I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm not doing this anymore. You have the opportunity to get rid of it. And here's what's going to happen. At first, when you forgive someone, it's going to be difficult. You're going to see them, and every time you see them, you're going to feel these things in your heart. You're going to think, man, it makes me mad. But you forgave them. I know I forgave them, but there they are. And every time I see them, it makes me mad. But God, help me with this. Over time, over time, maybe the next time you see him, you still feel some of that. Maybe the next time you still feel some of that. But eventually, over time, as you keep bringing this back and saying, God, you have forgiven me, I want to forgive them. I want to treat them the way you've treated me. Over time, what will happen is eventually you will see them and it will be gone. And you will realize, account closed. In fact, you may even be friends with them. I had someone in the first service come forward, and they said, Brett, you left part of the story out. I said, what are you talking about? He said, the story goes on. He said, I had a, a friend. We had a great big blow up. We, we held this grudge. But he said, forgiveness took place, and as a result of that, we became very close friends. And it turned out his friend has now passed away. And you could just tell, by the way, he was telling me the story, how good he felt that he had made a peace there, that he had forgiven that things were better he said you know my friend is gone but i have the assurance of knowing that 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 whole thing was worked out you might need to do that with somebody you need to clean it out and finally i would say this if you're in this room this morning you've never given your life to christ here's what that's about it's not about you becoming a bible thumper it's not about you dressing a certain way talking a certain way listening to certain radio stations. it's not about any of that stuff it is about this one thing you are a sinner. Bam! You need to be forgiven. Jesus died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. The thing God wants out of you more than anything else is for you to just say, I'm a sinner, I need to be forgiven, and God would rush right in to give that to you. It's offered to you this morning. It's not withheld. It's not a secret. It's not a mystery. God says, I want to forgive you. The question is, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever said, yes, I want to be forgiven? If not, this could be your day. And I would encourage you, if that's you, come down here. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what needs to happen with you and God. We're going to sing in just a moment. Let's, uh, let's pray before we do that. Father, the fact that you would look at us with all of our sin and all of our mess, and God, in this room, we have got it, all of us. And you extend to us forgiveness.
and you tell us you love us, and you tell us, yes, you're a sinner, but I'm willing to send Jesus to die for you. I want to forgive even you. Lord, how in the world could we experience that and then feel like somehow we are justified to not forgive someone else, and we call ourselves Christians? It just can't be. So, Father, in the room this morning, I'm certain of it, somebody's in here, and they're they're really wishing I would just hush right now because it's uncomfortable. And I pray that you would deal with their heart and their anger issues, and you would help them to close the account. Maybe they need to write a letter this week and tell somebody they're sorry. Maybe they need to send make a phone call and tell them you're forgiven. This this thing, put this whole thing behind us. God, we want clean hearts. Give us a clean heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.